Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. This is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And you know, Julie, we have some pretty sharp dressers here at uh, How Stuff Works, but uh, nobody, really nobody here is accessorizing today like like we are. No. Um, like, can you explain this um, this blue uh, dolphiny outfit that you're wearing today? Well, it's uh, it's kind of shimmery, mm-hmm. first of all, and it's got um, all sorts of zippers on it. Yeah. It's like very 80s, you know, kind of a throwback to a motorcycle jacket. Gotcha. And then I've got this fabulous fin at the bottom. And, um, in fact, it's this, this fin that can propel me through the water like twice as fast as Michael Phelps. Wow. How did you drive to work in that? Um, you know, just carefully. Yeah. I've got a stick shift, so it was just kind of a <laughs> kind of stop and go and lots of honking, but you know, it's completely worth it. Wow. Well, it looks pretty sharp, almost as sharp as what I'm wearing, uh, which is a wingsuit. Uh, I did not fly to work because you you actually have to have really significant uh, skydiving experience to to jump out of a plane in one of these. But it looks pretty sharp. I mean, right. I have this awesome webbing underneath each of my arms. Um, the webbing between my that goes down between my legs is a little less awesome because it makes me kind of have to walk like a penguin, right? Um, which can be a little awkward on Marta. Um, but uh, you know, so I think a few people may have missed the train this morning because of me. If you're listening, <laughs> I apologize. But if I was to fall off a cliff in this thing, I would I would stand a really good chance of of not dying quite as fast. Yeah, and you would kind of look like you know Bobby Brown. Yeah, with a, a sort of Bobby Brown wingsuit. Yeah, is, is what I'm looking at right now. The Bob, I like the idea of the Bobby Brown wingsuit. Yeah, he's not doing anything right now. He can he can uh, get behind this product. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. This is prerogative. So we are talking about accessorizing the uh, not just the human wardrobe, but the human form. That's right. Not content just to be human. Right. And we've been doing this for a while. I mean, clothing ex- itself is basically an, an accessory to the human form. Like hair is not cutting it. Throw some clothing on there. Get some hair from another animal to augment what we've got going on. And suddenly you can uh, sustain. You can go a little farther north or a little farther south to uh, forage for food, right? That's right. Exactly. I mean, it's crazy the amount of accessorizing we do. Well, uh, our kitchen is kind of an ex- accessory. I've heard this argument that uh, it's basically an external stomach that we've created to uh, to cook food and pro- or even just a campfire is kind of an external so- uh, stomach in a certain sense. Wow, to like house our food. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and it makes it more digestible and does does the work that our stomach uh, cannot or you know will not. Yeah, it, yeah. I think it's 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 pretty fascinating the ways that we've tried to manipulate our form, and I even think about the Wright brothers, which mm-hmm. you know, of course, we're we're landlubbers. We we can't fly, but that didn't stop them. Yeah, or the just countless people, just for centuries beforehand that uh, that tried and uh, generally died or were horribly injured when they fell off of something with wings strapped to them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can fly. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, actually we have a couple of really good articles on that. Um, uh, we have a like a top ten early attempts at flight article on uh, HowStuffWorks.com worth checking out that details some of these more disastrous attempts. And I wrote a short one like what was the first attempt to fly that uh, also goes into some of these just comic but also horrible accidents uh, <laughs> of early uh, attempts at human flight. That's right. But I, I like the way that you you put uh, what we're talking about today it was basically like humans trying to Mister potato head themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's like the potato in itself. It's not, you know, doing much, but, you know, throw some eyes on there, throw some teeth on there. You know, the human form, it's not going to uh, excel in the water uh, like a dolphin. It's not going to sail like a bird. So we end up... It's not going to sting like a bee. Yeah, yeah it's not going to sting like a bee. So we kind of... I, I couldn't help but think of, like, 
like a classroom containing all the varied forms that uh, natural selection has generated um, over um, over millions of years. And uh, and imagine like the human sitting there and kind of like looking over to cheat off of uh, somebody else's sheet because we're we're cheating off of the the work that uh, in, in many of these in some of these more uh, biomimetic uh, you know mimicking mimic, mimicking biology right. forms we're we're basically kind of cheating off of their work you know their uh, natural selection has has been pushing this uh, this design and fine tuning this design for ages and we're just kind of like you know looking over seeing what they're doing and copying it to our own uh, for our own purposes yeah and I'm thinking about the dolphin fins mm-hmm. um, well that, let's get into the dolphin fins yeah where, yeah where is this coming from. Like where, uh, symbolically or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who came up with this great idea? Uh, yeah, let's go with that one. Okay. Uh, Ted Ciamillo, mm-hmm. who, um, is an inventor, basically studied the dolphin form and said, okay, that is really cool that dolphins use something like 80% of their energy and convert it into thrust. Whereas us humans are pretty lousy in the water and we can only convert 4% of our energy into forward motion. So basically when we get into the water, it's just, uh, it's it's kind of an awkward experience if you think about it. Yeah, like apparently, even if we put on swim fins, right? We're you know flippers. We're we're only just getting like what ten to fifteen percent more efficient. Right, exactly. Yeah. And we're still kind of just trudging through the water, mm-hmm. even if even if we look really elegant like Michael Phelps, which I know that when I swim I like really elegant like him. It's still not the best uh, way to make our way through that sort of. Uh, viscous material, I guess you could say. So this guy, CMLO, great, totally interesting guy. He decides that he's going to create a two and a half pound fin. Um, and this is made by his company called Lunaset. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's basically like a piece of foam and it's got a really big a span. So it allows you to now go twice as fast as Michael Phelps in the water. It's kind of like a mermaid, uh, flipper, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so the really cool thing about this, too, is that he envisions that eventually, and they've been messing around with this, that that you can breach completely out of the water like a dolphin. <laughs> Ju- you need to actually jump up into the air. Yes. Uh, like okay. s- like SeaWorld style. Yeah. Which then I start to think, of course, well, are they going to replace the dolphins with, with human Humans breaching the water. Oh man! And then you'll like you'll be able to go. Uh, you'll be out in California. You'll be able to take tour boats out to yes. watch like the <laughs> the crazy um, uh, dolphin people. Like, yes, coming up to the side of the boat and like you know following following the boat like they do and, uh, and jumping out of the water. And, exactly. Uh, Although I still think the humans might be fired. I feel like they won't be able to do the tricks as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what's they'll well, what they can do is they can have those guys like the dolphin people hanging out in the back of the boat, and if they're they start freaking out, it's like, oh my goodness, we're not seeing any whales, we're not seeing any dolphins. They're like, call those guys in. <laughs> we're not sending these people back uh, disappointed. I like that. I want to ride the human. Me, <laughs> me. Um, well, CML also is envisioning this hydro touring aspect of it too, which is basically that you get a group of people who have these fins on and they can go really long distances throughout the day. They've got waterproof gear, uh, backpacks, and they can basically just go and hang out in the oceans as long as they want and tour around. And of course, that makes me think of like these marauding gangs. Oh, well, see, I was, I had a much more optimistic view of it. I was thinking like sort of, uh, wandering hippies of the sea, you know, especially oh, wow. since this guy that comes from Athens, Georgia, which, uh, I mean, granted has the whole like football side of it, but then there's also kind of like a hippie, you know, incom- music, music incompatible with the world outside of Athens quality 
to Athens. I mean, I love Athens, but I, I can't help but think of the, the Patton Oswalt quote that it's uh, one of those places where people like leave Athens and then they're, they're like, what? You can't, you can't pay for a meal with a song in this, in this town, you know? So, uh. It's true. It does have its own little special bubble of reality yeah. to it. So, and so it makes sense that it produced this guy. Yeah, totally. So, but, but yeah, indeed, whether we're talking, uh, you know, your vision of, of, you know, marauding, um, you know, hell's angels with flippers. Yeah, yeah. Can't you just see them going up to the snorkelers, like the tourists who are all snorkeling and uh-huh. just start jabbing them and, you know, running away really quickly or <laughs> swimming away? Yeah. What with like the bottlenose that they wear over their, their mouth? Exactly. Like yeah, 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 yeah. That along with like a Nixon mask. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. All right. I can sort of, <laughs> you won't go I still one. like the hippie idea a little better, but, but I mean, either way, they would be heading out to like a local little island with their sack full of like, with their cell phone and their GPS system and some peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. Unless they're really into it. Maybe they only, they start only eating like, uh, you know, like raw fish. Oh, like yeah. they just really embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. And they start spearing their fish. Yeah. Yeah. And you could create an entire community out of this. This doesn't have to be like a day trip. This could be a way of life. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. But this guy, uh, CML, he also created a human-powered submarine. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's actually used it to cross the Atlantic, but I know that he's planning to. And it, too, has uh, biomimicry in it. It's It's got a um, a foil like a dolphin's tail. Okay. Now, how many humans does he have to enslave to, <laughs> to power it for him? You know what? This is the good news. Just one. Just, oh, him, okay. just himself. Oh, okay. That's a, actually that's a lot more optimistic. Yeah, uh, yeah. And design. I mean, okay. I can't quite get my head around it because it's fifty six hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. But it's been explained uh, like a stairmaster crossed with a cross country ski machine, and the arm and leg drive system is linked to the flapping tail through a system of pulleys. Okay, and that seems really exhausting to me. Yeah, I really hope that. Um, the uh, the inventor is not out there right now on the bottom of the ocean in this thing. No, I know. Yeah, that would be awful. But I knew that he was planning it for like his fortieth birthday or to celebrate uh, his his fortieth year. And uh, here's a quote on his website. He said, "I want to spend time out on the open ocean in something I built with my own hands, pondering my own existence." So obviously, the only way to really achieve that is to build uh, a personal submarine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Don't rent a boat. Yeah. <laughs> and start navel gazing. You just have to create your own power pedaled submarine. Well, we're, we're making fun of it a little, but it is kind of, I mean, it's no, awesome it's, idea. it's really, yeah. I'm making fun of it because it's so cool. Mm-hmm. I want one of my own and I wish I had the own, uh, that sort of initiative to be yeah. like, you know, I want to ponder in, in the best way I can ponder in the middle of the ocean and yeah. I'm going to make that happen for me. Cool. It also make, reminds me that we do have an article on the site about whether a um, giant squid could take down a submarine or not. Well, I mean, that we haven't even discussed rogue waves. Yeah, rogue waves. Yeah. I mean, that could take you down in an or, instant. Or, um, you know, side stitches. I think that could really sink you in this uh, particular device. Oh, yeah. yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the, you can't eat your peanut butter and jelly sandwich then. You definitely would have to take breaks. So that's one way that we're trying to look over at our classmate, the the dolphin, and say, hmm, what's what's going on with you and your design, which I think is pretty cool that we're trying to co-op. Cool. As long as we don't do any, you know, crazy damage in our marauding gangs. Yeah, indeed. Well, while uh, while our marauding uh, uh, <laughs> lunacet uh, wares are busy uh, in the ocean, um, in the air we have people wearing uh, wingsuits, uh, like I'm wearing uh, yes. today. And uh, <laughs> and and these are these are pretty awesome. Uh, recently, there've been a couple of. Uh, I mean, they they 
they kind of pop up in the news. I, I guess like wingsuits, one of those things that the economy doesn't really hurt because they're always going to be crazy people that want to jump out of an airplane and sort of fly for a little bit. Right. Well, I mean, well, they fly, but and if uh, you've got that kind of discretionary income, you're probably yeah not too badly hurt yeah. by the the uh, economy. Because uh, recently in the news, uh, and both of these relate to the Red Bull skydiving team, which of is bas- yeah basically a wingsuit with a bunch of Red Bull uh, logos on it. And uh, they're not, like, wearing a Red Bull can mascot outfit or anything. They don't have what attached to their head with a straw coming down. No. <laughs> but uh, there's a guy named Valery Rozov, and he's a Russian. And he recently glided uh, uh, 45 uh, for 45 seconds when he jumped off of Olvatana Mountain in uh, Antarctica. And that's a 9,616-foot uh, peak. Yeah, so there's video of that online. It's worth checking out. It's extremely terrifying because yeah. even though you kind of well on YouTube, I guess all all uh, you know bets are off. But I figured he probably wasn't going to crash into the side of the mountain and die horribly. But you kind of don't know when you watch this uh, yeah. this, this film because he's pretty close to the side. Well, and I think it's fascinating that it's not enough just to fly through the air. It's to try to get as close to the mountain or the cliff as possible. I mean, mm-hmm. isn't that that sort of part of the whole wingsuit thing if, you, if you're an enthusiast? Uh, well, the, I, with the base jumpers, I think it just kind of comes with the territory because, you know, you're jumping right. off of a mountain. Uh, you know, it's going to you're not going to necessarily get that much distance. But uh, plenty of these guys do it also just, you know, out of planes. And it's all about, that seems to be just all about soaring as far as possible, uh, you know, over when watching the mountains and stuff just pass underneath you. Right. So uh, I think there are different schools of thought on it. But, uh, but the other, uh, news item related to the uh, Red Bull skydiving team, um, uh, I think it was like last month or so in uh, the Santa Monica area, they had UFO uh, sightings. Uh-huh. And it turned out to be, oh, it's strange lights in the sky. Oh, it's just the Red Bull skydiving team. So. <laughs> So if you see a UFO, you know, don't freak out. It could just be these guys. Um, and if something comes into your house and you have like an abduction, abduction experience, right. like we've experienced, like we discussed uh, previously, uh, ch- try to look at their legs and see if there's webbing. Right. Yeah. And, and it's not Bobby Brown, by yeah, the way. Not Bobby Brown. Yeah. But I do think that's kind of funny. I mean, you think about it like, you know, an octogenarian with not such good eyesight looking up in the, in the air and seeing mm-hmm. what looks to be like these flying squirrels coming at them. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, if you think of a flying squirrel, you're imagining the, the suit you yeah. know, pretty spot on because it's all about creating an airfoil, uh, you know, and uh, and so it's like webbing under the arm and uh, between the legs. And so you like you spread your arms, you, you tuck your head. Oh, I better not tuck my head away from the mic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You tuck your head. You get some air right you know, now. Down, yeah. And uh, and you spread your legs and and you create this airfoil so you can you know generate some lift. Now, you can't get enough. Uh, it's not enough. to. You, you're still fall. You're still going to. You're still kind of falling. I mean, you're descending anyway. You can't really um, ascend in this in this kind of uh, right. suit. But you can uh, you can steer. You can glide around just by moving your your legs. The um, the airfoil itself it's pretty brilliant because uh, if you look back in uh, in parachuting history, like the first parachute jump from an airplane was 1912, which was just uh, uh, nine years after the Wright brothers. Right. So you know we we were on this pretty quick. It's like, whoa, well, this is great. We can fly, but can <laughs> we jump, can we out, jump of out of it? Yeah. Right. So um, you, you had a lot of people back then. They were trying to incorporate wings into their design because it, you know they were trying to come up with ways to steer and and you know the, the dream of human flight without the aid of this airplane is just. I mean, it's it's older than the idea of the airplane. Really, you look back to you know the the myths of uh, Icarus and Daedalus and all that. Or know. even looking at Da Vinci's drawings, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it, it really predates the idea of creating a flying machine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But of the 75 original pioneering birdmen, uh, 72 died testing their new designs and techniques between, just between 1930 and 1961. Because you throw these, uh, these, these different wings on and suddenly you have just, um, just like extra limbs that can become entangled in the chute. Um, or like, you know, I like to think, you know, you jump out and then you go to check your pocket watch and, uh, and then bam, you go into a spin because you have a, a wing out here on the side of your arm. So the, the wingsuits though, uh, they solve a lot of this real, in a really neat way because you don't have, like the wings are you. They're not wings tacked onto you. Right. And, uh, and they, uh, the, the membranes inflate when you jump out because the air rushing up towards you, like, goes into these chambers and it kind of inflates you to a certain degree. I mean, mm-hmm. you can still move and all, but it gives it kind of a, it gives it more of a structure. And it, so it's not just like, you know, some loose webbing underneath the arm. Right. Yeah. It's pretty nuts, though, I have to say. I think that that's a speed freak thing. Yeah. And if you're interested in doing it, um, just keep in mind that you're going to, uh, I mean, you can wear one to work like I'm doing. It's, you know, no problem. Sure. It's just, you know, uh, just to be careful when the train comes when you're on the platform. Exactly, right? because that that uh, <laughs> that train breeze will catch you. Believe yeah. me. But uh, you 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 recommended it's recommended that you have a 500 jump traditional skydiving jumps under your belt before you even strap on a be- beginner uh, wingsuit, and those will cost you around six hundred dollars. Last uh, last estimate I looked at, and if you get an advanced model, uh, you're looking at uh, at well you know t- well over twice that. In yeah. Some cases. So um, some experience probably in, uh, as well as an understanding of basic physics probably helps a lot in terms of yeah. uh, surviving your fun experience. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it, it is an advanced skydiving technique. So that, that really has to be stressed. It's, 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 an, it's, it's an advanced technique. So don't just uh, don't try and build one on your own. No, no. Kids don't do that in your backyard there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a, another really cool way that uh, we're using... Uh, accessories, I suppose you could call them, which is neural prosthetic devices. Okay. Okay. So the cool thing about this is that these devices use neural implants consisting of an array of electrodes that are implanted in the brain to monitor a small set of neurons. Okay. And now this is a, related to our nervous system. Exactly. It's spread throughout the body. Exactly. Okay. And so if you think about the brain as an electrical device, mm-hmm. and electrici- electricity is a common language. So that's what allows us to interface the brain to these electronic devices. So it detects an individual's intentions to maneuver an object, such as a prosthetic limb. And I'm thinking about the bionic arm, which allows you to basically say, you know, a a quick command like move fingers here or go there. And then it basically takes that signal and allows your hand to move, which is incredible if you think about it, especially if, if you've lost a limb um, you know, it, it can be used in so many different ways. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really incredible. Um, it, it tends to, it seems, seems like the ones I've seen, uh, you know, schematics of it's kind of like a little, uh, you see, it's like a little metal plate in the uh, in, interior of the device. Yeah, kind of like this kind of a sensor. Yeah, and in fact, they they tested it on a monkey, of course. Oh yes. Yeah, so of course there was a, a monkey with a bionic arm. I'm just going to assume that that monkey lost that arm naturally. I'm, I'm not even going to tarnish my brain with. Uh, with any other possibilities. You know, I can't remember right offhand, but and maybe this is um, my brain creating a cover memory because I was traumatized <laughs> by that myself. But I, I want to say that they actually just strapped it on top of the arm. Oh, well, that's good. Which does, it means it doesn't make it any freakier looking. Yeah. Right. Uh, but again, that I, that might be a cover memory that yeah. I just created. <laughs> Still, the end result, monkey with a mechanical arm. There you yeah. go. That's that's progress right there. 
Um, but it actually is progress because it, it, ultimately it can help out a lot of people. Yeah, even if they did, even if they did have to saw off a, a monkey's arm, it's like uh, you know the the fact that you can help all these people with a, that have that have lost a limb. Um, is is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then I was reading too that I mean it, it's it's so fascinating that you can take the neural code and break it down like that. And now that we have figured out the genome, you know, what can we do? How can we apply that to the way that we're operating with prosthetics? Oh, you cool. know, is there is there a deeper way I guess to embed the information so that it's it's coming um to us in a much more complex fashion. So are you are you Getting into the the area here, we're talking about not just simply having a machine replacement to uh, to feed off of existing uh, neural points, but to potentially create new neural points. Exactly. Yeah. Or, yeah exactly. And, and enhance, not just replace, but enhance mm-hmm. what we can already do. So I guess it's sort of like moving toward the bionic man. Yeah. Or like creating, say, like uh, something. Um, like if you see people that run with their like their iPod or their MP3 player, like strapped to their shoulder. Like, so what if they had a neural uh, connection there. A neural docking station? Yeah, so if they don't, yeah, if they don't like the, uh, the song that's playing, they can just skip to the next track by like, you know, just thinking about apples or something. Man, I have to say that that is something that I would probably go under the knife for. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I know, it, that, seriously though, have you ever sat there and thought, oh god, I don't want to get up and change the iPod or I'm so lazy that I can't even pick up this remote? <laughs> no, you haven't. Well, yeah, sometimes I guess. Yeah. You haven't. Yeah. Just admit it. Um, but that's pretty cool. And then uh, there's along that same sort of idea of improving upon what we already have are, is something called the carbon nanotube muscles. Okay. Um, this is really cool. It's basically a next generation muscle made out of carbon nanotubes. And um, so, you know, carbon nanotubes are about 100,000 times thinner than human hair. It's They're super light and they're stronger than steel. And carbon nanotubes, when they contract at 300% uh, per second, that think about the human muscle, which contracts at around 20% per second. So all of a sudden you have this ability for super crazy strength if you can apply this to artificial limbs. Okay. Yeah. And there's a guy named Ray Bowman who... Um, has produced a formulation that's stronger than steel, actually, and it's light as air, and it's more flexible than rubber. And in addition to being used in artificial limbs, it can be used to make smart skins, which are these shape-changing structures, mm-hmm. which shape-shifting. It's like my favorite thing. It's pretty cool. And ultra-strong robots. Cool. Uh, but in the, med- in the immediate future, it's just going to be good for highly efficient solar cells. Yeah. But, I mean... Yeah, nanotubes are one of those things where it's like, if you, you look at any kind of contemplation of advanced structural um, technology, mm-hmm. nanotubes tend to show up. Yeah, I mean, because, almost everything is predicated yeah. on that. Yeah, uh, everything from, you know, uh, uh, space elevators to, uh, you know, to, to solar sails, uh, it, they're frequently uh, cited. Right, and they're being used. I mm-hmm. mean, that that's the amazing thing is that, okay, there, maybe this one guy is playing around with them right now, but that translates to them being used uh, pretty in a widespread way in like 20 years. Yeah. And the cool less. thing about the uh, the limbs you're, you're talking about is is I'm of course you instantly think of like superpower grip where you're just like crushing everything in sight. Right. But the the key here uh, seems to me is also speed. I mean, you, you see some of the uh, you know in, in many cases outdated examples of uh, mechanized prosthetic limbs. Yeah. And you see kind of like a slow robotic kind of thing going on, right? Right. Because they're uh, it has to depend on hydraulics. Um, or uh, or even kind of just sort of puppetry uh, type devices, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but if you had these nanotubes, we would have this uh, the speed of of reaction 
and uh, and, and uh, you know be, you'd be able to to downplay it. So it wouldn't be a situation of like like please don't touch anything because you will crush everything that you love. It would be <laughs> more like uh, you know it, there would be a controlled system where it's like yes go ahead and touch the apple. Uh, it's going to be more uh, more of a lifelike maneuver and uh, and uh, and you know graspability. Right. But, I mean, would it also um, stand to reason that you could also accelerate yourself? Yeah, you know? I, I, mean, I would guess so if that. there was a, a reason to. Um, but, it's like, a, you know, I was thinking, like, okay, you could make legs. So you could do, right. like, super jumping abilities. Mm-hmm. But then that seems extraordinarily dangerous. So I don't, I don't know how useful that is. It could be. Yeah, you're yeah. right. There's, there's a lot of contemplation that needs to go on here Yeah. Uh, before it, it starts to be released to the mass audience, I believe. This presentation is brought to you by Intel, sponsors of tomorrow. I don't know if you knew this, um, the carbon nanotube infused steel was thought to be used to be, uh, to make Damascus blades, which is history's sharpest sword. Really? Yeah, yeah. And the, te- the technique has been lost, but, um, when they actually looked at the swords, they found that carbon nanotubes and nanowires were used in a sample of a 17th century sword forged from okay. Damascus steel. Wow, I did not know that. That's yeah. pretty incredible. But, I mean, so that, I think that was sort of an accident of science, you know, back in the day. But it's, it's really interesting to find out that that was used in this material. Yeah, and especially interesting when you look at the uh, Damascus space elevators of uh, of the day. Those were pretty, no. I'm oh, those were, um, yeah, I mean, they were an <laughs> elegant uh, interpretation of that. Absolutely. So what uh, accessory item do we have next here on the list? Ooh, exoskeletons, Ooh. which, again, you can, uh, carbon nanotubes eventually could be used with us. Yeah. And, of course, the great thing about, I mean, exoskeletons, um, if, if you're at all, if you're a, like a guy and you're into sci-fi at all, then you're just probably in love with the idea of exoskeletons because they're everywhere. I mean, it's, it's back to, like, uh, you know, Starship Troopers, uh, you know, the novel, uh to, uh, you know, stuff like, uh, the whole Warhammer 40,000, uh, world with all these, you know, power, uh, um, you know, mechanized power armor that these guys are wearing to, you know, do all sorts of amazing things. Or even like aliens where you have Ripley yeah, fighting yeah, yeah. the, uh, Cause I just was thinking yeah. about, yeah, her stepping into her exoskeleton suit. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's a, it's, it's another one of these things that it's just, uh, you know, we just can't get enough of the idea that you could, Strap on this this armor that would just make you a superhuman. Right, and it's here. Yeah. It's in existence. Yeah. Uh, Lockheed Martin has actually developed it, and it's been dubbed the Hulk, which is human universal load carrier. I love how they claim that any um, that that the Hulk thing is just accidental. Yeah, they're yeah. like, oh, you mean, oh, wait, are you trying to tell me that there's a comic book character that has that's green and has super? We had no idea. What a weird coincidence. No, no, you know that they yeah. put like together a think tank for that yeah. in Dubai somewhere. And 20 hours later, they came out with Hulk. Yeah. 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 Um, though the suit weighs 82 pounds, uh, purportedly when a soldier is strapped in, they they don't feel that weight. Mm-hmm. They feel virtually nothing when it comes to that. And then it allows the wearer to effortlessly lift 200 pounds. But this is pretty cool, too, because it can also be accessorized with missile launchers or even a uh, steel shield capable oh, oh, wow. of, yeah, capable of stopping munitions dead in their trap. See, this is this is just straight up space marine stuff. I know. Yeah. And it's here again. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, most of the models use a hydraulic system, which is controlled by an onboard computer. And uh, just in case you're wondering, like, well, you know, what, what's the power source? It's a 18 pound battery and it's a lithium uh, ion 
battery, I believe, excuse me, lithium one. Mm-hmm. And it lasts for three to four days and it can be recharged using a Humvee. Just in case you're worried about that. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, right now they're testing them, uh, actually they'll be testing them in the spring, 2011, uh, on real soldiers and the military and then they'll be using them in Afghanistan. So they should complete their tests by about 2015 and then introduce them to the market and the mass market, commercial market. And just in case you're interested, that's it's around like $25,000 per okay. suit. And you probably want to get a backup one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And make sure you have Humvees parked everywhere you could conceivably need Exactly. One. Because when one of these suits powers down, that's the the thing. It's like you're kind of in this big uh, tomb, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, too, is that one of those things that you buy and then it powers down and you get it, never really get around to, to uh, booting it back up? Yeah. It's and, like having an iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was though, thinking it would just sit in your closet. Mm-hmm. Oh, there goes that exosuit again. Oh, I should yeah. really power it up. Um, the, another really interesting one out there, because uh, a number of different people are working on on different variations of the exoskeleton. Um, there's a uh, there's a one that comes out from that the Honda has been working on the Honda exoskeleton legs, and these are pretty awesome because it it looks basically like a bicycle seat with a belt uh, and like robot robotic leg braces that go down to shoes. And so you kind of end up looking like, uh, you have to look up a picture of this because you kind of end up looking like you have mecha legs and like mecha groin in this because the bicycle seat thing kind of like, you know, comes up and wow. cups you on both sides. It kind of, uh, what's the, um. Did you say it cups you on both sides? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it kind of looks like a weird cod piece in the front. Okay. Uh, so you see these, you know, wonderful, uh, demonstrations by, you know, these very, very nice, polite looking Japanese scientists and, uh, massive cod piece and robotic legs. It's pretty. Pretty awesome, but uh, they'd be, they this would come in uh, like different sizes and would weigh about uh, fourteen point three pounds. And again, lithium ion uh, battery. And in the this particular exoskeleton, you'd be able to walk like two point eight miles per per hour for about two hours uh, without okay. having to worry about charging it. That's not bad if you want to take a stroll. Yeah, and then there's the MIT exoskeleton. And uh, again, this is a, this is another one that's very similar to some of the other things we're looking at. Um, the the prototypes um, I was ex- I was uh, researching they have uh, it's one of these things where you have legs that are um, braced and then kind of a back area and so the idea is not as much to like you're not providing like oh I can walk forever because my legs are robots or you know I have super you know strength for kicking the enemy it's about supporting um, a, a massive payload on your back without okay. feeling it it's like transferring the weight through these robotic uh, exoskeleton legs to the ground. Okay, so yeah. every time I move into a new house, this is the thing that I want to buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but it's it's really cool. I and mean, then it's because it's the when we were talking earlier about like shield attachments and yeah. and missile attachments, it's like that's just like just straight up like kind of a sci-fi vision, and it's e- easy to get caught up in that. Uh, but but this is more like sort of practical area. It's like right. you, if you need a guy to carry a whole lot of stuff, um, you know, this is a way to do it. Now, is this the one that you were saying that they might end up uh, renting, or is, it's not necessarily something that you have to buy, but um, I think um, I think the the Japanese models are the ones that they're talking about uh, making available to the public for rental. Okay, so I could go to Home Depot and rent this. Um, if, well, whatever Home Depot is or in Lowe's. Tokyo. Okay. Yeah. Whatever that is. <laughs> um, then there, there's another one uh, also in Japan though. While we're on the subject uh, from Japan, Cyberdyne, which th- this whole okay, Cyberdyne for those of you who uh, are film buffs. Um, this was uh, the name of the company that built the Skynet system in the Terminator okay. films. 
So, uh, you know, the, the Japanese have such a, a more optimistic view of a robotic future than uh, it seems like everybody else. So they, they just happily named their company Cyberdyne. And they, uh, they named their, their exoskeleton system the HAL exo- exoskeleton, as in the robot that goes berserk in 2001. Wow. Um, so it's, yeah, robot suit hybrid assistive limb or HAL exoskeleton. Yeah, that doesn't inspire confidence in me. Yeah, though they have a lot of, um, they, they do have a lot of like cooler, uh, ideas, uh, in mind for how this would be used. They think it would be used uh, for, uh, to train doctors. Uh, to help in physical therapy, yeah. uh, as people you know, re, you know, regain use of their their limbs, uh, you know, assist disabled people, uh, and th- this is an, an idea you also see in uh, uh, New Zealand's uh, Rex exoskeleton, which again, Rex, it's, I, I I just refuse to believe that, that they're not coming up with the <laughs> right. these first, but uh, but the idea is like you know, instead of somebody being confined to a wheelchair. Uh, or an exoskeleton system would give them the, the liberty to walk around like, uh, uh, you know, as if they still had the use of their legs, uh, which is, which is pretty cool. Uh, but they, uh, but also Cyberdyne is looking at ways that would allow laborers to carry heavier loads and to aid in emergency rescues. So pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I have to tell you, um, I have, um, something to do at lunch. I need to actually run over to the Y. Oh, oh I'm yeah. Try out my fin. Yeah. Run. Yeah. How many how many laps do you have to do to get a decent workout when you're super powered though? Oh, just like a thousand. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm just gonna dominate the lane for a couple of hours. Yeah. If anybody gets in there, just bottle nose them. They'll they'll get out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm gonna let the staff know there. <laughs> so hey, we have a couple of uh, listener mail items here. Shall I look at them? Please do. Okay. Let me see if I can reach them in this. So, oh, watch out, oh. you just got hooked on. Okay, oh, God. You go. All right, I got it. Okay, uh, this one comes to us uh, from a listener by the name of Jen. And uh, she uh, addresses uh, you, actually. She says, uh, I recently found it found uh, it interesting uh, through the episodes that uh, uh, Julie mentions a vomitorium and says that Romans would eat until they vomited and then eat more. I'm not sure if that was ever a cultural Roman thing or not, but the vomitarium was uh, actually something completely different. A vomitarium was an archway of Roman theater, such as the Colosseum, where the people would enter or leave. It's called a vomitarium because of the way it looked when crowds of people would swarm out of the door, like the building was yep. vomiting people, I guess. She's 100% right. And I was actually referring to sharks. I think we were talking, that was the Inside Out podcast, and we oh, were yes. talking about sharks emptying their stomachs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I likened it to a vomitorium. And uh, later on, we were doing some reading for Pyroclastic Flow and actually came on that fact. Um, so thank you, Jen, for pointing that out. It's ab- absolutely right. Do I wish that there was a vomitorium? I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know, yes, I've always thought it was really cool um, that you could stuff yourself so horribly and then go vomit. And then there would be a loot player there to cover up the sound of you vomiting um, or me vomiting, I guess I should say. Um <laughs> But no, you're you're right, and I guess yeah, this is a, another thing we're hanging on the Romans, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't see. I don't understand why you have to be so down on the Roman Empire. They did a, mm-hmm. a lot of great things. I know, but I like to think of them as hedonists. Yeah, yeah, freewheeling. Well, well we have uh, we have one more uh, bit of uh, listener mail here from. Uh, uh, oh, speaking of Romans, uh, this one is apparently from a listener by the name of Boudica, um, who was, of course, the. Uh, uh, the uh, the warrior queen that was uh, I believe her people were crushed by the Romans at one point. Yes, we'd have to ask the history gals about this because I uh, it was also an Anya track as I recall. So there, <laughs> back back from uh, my Anya listening days. I see. But uh, anyway, uh, Boudicca, that was my little Anya. Was it? Oh, yeah. to you, yeah. Uh, 
Boudicca's uh, writes, uh, I believe you mistitled the podcast. You titled the podcast, quote, if a tree falls in a forest, does it make a sound? However, the way I have always heard it is if a tree falls and no one is able to hear it, does it make a sound? And uh, she's correct. This is the full version of it because... Uh, otherwise, it, it loses its philosophical punch if you uh, omit those words. But I believe we had to omit some of the words to fit it into the, uh, yeah. the podcast title. Yeah. Because we were going to call uh, one of our episodes, uh, You're So Vain, You Probably Think This Universe Is About You. But then Ben Boland told us we had to shorten it. That's right. Yeah, such ben. A, such a killjoy. Yeah. But it's good that we got the email because we knew that our tree had fallen in the forest via your emails. So keep them coming, please. Yes. Um, be sure to check us out on Facebook and Twitter. You'll find us on both of those as Blow the Mind. Uh, you know, we'll, we post all sorts of interesting stuff there and feel free to interact with us. Let us know what's blowing your mind. If you find a cool piece of, uh, of news or research on the net, you know, shoot it to us because there's a, there's a, you know, we, we may not have seen it otherwise. That's right. And let us know if there are any really cool superhuman things that you've found out about lately and email us at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.